1: Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When control is used in Christian leadership, it's a form of spiritual abuse. In fact, I have to admit that as a pastor, before I realize what control is and how it works, I've been guilty of using it myself. Spiritual abuse uses legalism in an effort to control. Now, legalism always pulls in the opposite direction to the cross. It says basically that Jesus' death and resurrection is not enough. You need rules. Then, of course, when you get rules, you actually come under the power of the one who gives the rules. Have you ever found yourself thinking this? I wonder what so-and-so would think about my decision here or my behavior here or what I'm going to do now. What's happened is we basically come under the power of that person thinking that somehow we need their approval. Now, of course, that's how the cults ultimately operate. But God has a much better way of influencing God's people. And that is not by external control, but through internal grace. This is Set Free with
0: Ken Leg. Welcome once again to Set Free with Ken Leg. I'm Phil Edwards and this week we're looking at the subject of toxic relationships. What do you do when things go bad with someone who may be very close to you? And a lot of this wisdom is coming from Ken's book, What's Eating You? which he wrote a few years ago. Now yesterday, Ken, you defined a toxic relationship as one that's harmful and you started to explain how we can recognise a toxic relationship by... Uh, someone's attempt to control somebody else. And I guess we've all seen that. Uh, maybe we've experienced that ourselves. And it could even happen on a spiritual level. I would imagine too. Do you think it's something that people do in ignorance, or do they do it? Uh, you know, not necessarily deliberately, or is it deliberate? How does it work? I'm sure a lot of the time it's it's
1: not deliberate, and people don't realise actually what they are getting involved in. But uh, remember this: you know, the Bible says that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Mm. That's the goal of his redemption is that we might enjoy freedom, freedom to be his and to be his alone. Freedom from what though? Well, freedom from many things, freedom from the law, of course, freedom from addictive behavior, but also freedom from controlling people that basically want us to carry out their agenda for our lives
0: Mm. rather than his agenda. I guess we've all encountered people like that who want their agenda over ours what do you do if you're in that situation? Maybe there's somebody listening now who's thinking, oh, that's me, and so-and-so is trying to, in you know. It. Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, I think it's important to just um, make that differentiation that we, we made yesterday, Phil, which is that there is a difference between righteous authority and unrighteous authoritarianism. I mean, there are um, uh, roles within society, within the family, within the church, uh, authority, roles of leadership and authority, And uh, they're all good and wholesome and and for our benefit. But it gets bad when it becomes what we call unrighteous authoritarianism. Mm. And the first thing is to recognize it for what it is. See, the purpose of righteous authority is to lead people into God's will as revealed in the Bible. So basically, those that have got um, leadership roles should keep that in mind, that basically, uh, you know, that leadership role is not so that those under them will do their will, but God's will, that that we'll make known God's will in that situation by our understanding of the Word of God, whether it's in the home or in the church and so on. Now, righteous authority is recognized by by certain distinctions. And and I would suggest, for example, a servant heart. Um, You know, a true leader, Jesus said, is a servant. Mm -hmm. Don't don't take, you know, your kind of model from the world, which is, you know, uh, a person becomes high and lifted up, Jesus said, I am amongst you as one who serves you. Even though I'm your leader, I'm there for your benefit to serve you. And so true leadership actually empowers the one that it leads. Another thing that um, uh, characterizes the mark of a righteous authority is an exemplary life. Uh, You know, you can follow that person's example, not only what they're asking you to do, but they lead by their example, and it's an example that you want to follow. Mm. And another thing that I would say about righteous authority that um, might surprise some people, that it's also evidenced by a gentle spirit. You know, Paul said, I was amongst you like a gentle nursing woman or mother, Mm. and uh, not as some kind of harsh, hard person, but as a gentle person. And uh, a person that has authority doesn't have to shout, doesn't have to raise their voice, doesn't have to become
0: authoritarian but uh, is able to lead just by their gentleness. Mm. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible, a direction in the Bible of what leaders, good leaders should look like, uh, both in terms of that exemplary life, that their family is in order and and so on, and and that that servant leadership. And like so many things in this Christian life, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that's correct, Phil. So what would you say uh, uh, should be some safeguards against abuse of authority, Uh, if there is someone in a leadership position, whether that's in a church or somewhere else, how do they stop themselves and know that they're not going to go down this path? That's a good point. I mean, there should be safeguards.
1: There should be checks and balances in in, in this kind of thing. Um, I often refer to Tony Benn, who was once a British Member of Parliament, Mm -hmm. and he said this, whenever you meet a powerful person, Ask him these five questions. And they're good questions. The first one is what power have you got? In other words, you've got authority. What are the limits of that authority? What are the bounds of it? Mm-hmm. Number two, where did you get it from? Because all authority is delegated. You know, I don't have authority just because I'm Ken Leg. Yeah. Um, I have authority in my church because I'm a leader and that's been delegated to me. Number three, he said, in whose interests do you use that authority? Now that's a very telling question. Am I using my authority to build my kingdom <laughs> or my name? Or, you know, to to benefit myself? Or am I using that in the interest of those that I'm serving and leading? And then fourthly, he asks this question, to whom are you accountable? Now this is a very important point. In in every form of leadership, there needs to be accountability. There should be someone to whom we hold ourselves accountable to. Not not just in kind of appearance, but in actuality,
0: you know, yeah. where we're seen to be accountable. I guess it's when it's when that accountability loop is missing. That's when things start to go off the rails and, yeah. and leaders start imposing some of these controls that we're talking about. Yeah. So for example, you know, like the the man that insists
1: that he has authority in his home. Uh, okay, is that where his is that where the chain of command ends? Is he a pope, <laughs> yeah. answerable to no one, but everyone's answerable to him, or is he in submission to, for say say for example, his local church leadership? Is he accountable to them? And even within the church leadership, um, again, there's no popes. There's no uh, single person that has total authority. When you study the scriptures, um, you'll see that uh, local leadership was always plural. Plurality of leadership. There's no one pastor, one man that had all the power entrusted to him Mm. because that's dangerous. Everyone has blind spots and uh, uh, no one's got a handle, a total handle on on everything. And we need one another to balance, uh, to protect the flock and uh, to protect those that are under that authority. So there needs to be accountability. And then, of course, the, the fifth and the final question that he asked is, how do we get rid of you? <laughs> which, which I think is good. In other words, is there some place, if this thing gets out of hand, uh, is there some place where, you know, you can be pulled out of that authority for a time until you get back on track or whatever
0: it is? You know what I mean? For the safety of those that we are leading. All of us are, um, well, none of us are indispensable, I guess, in that regard, because we all have the potential to be flawed, go off the rails in whatever area that we're leading. And we're all leading in some area in our lives. So we need definitely that uh, that accountability and, and to come back and measure ourselves against what the Word of God says. Great questions. What power have you got? Where did you get it from? In whose interests do you use it? To whom are you accountable? And how can we get rid of you? Great. Yeah. Uh, as I say, you know, nobody's, nobody's fallible. Nobody's infallible. I mean, uh, it
1: reminds me of a time when I, I was sharing with some leaders. I says, now, of course, we all have blind spots, don't we? And one guy popped up. He says, well, obviously, we're not aware of them if <laughs> they're blind spots. We don't know, do we? <laughs> and that's the whole point is that uh, others do know what our blind spots are. We don't know ourselves. And that's why we need the protection and the safety of others in the team.
0: Our series this week is on dealing with toxic relationships and we'll have more for you tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage because God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.